This is the Daily Podcast Practice Show for Tuesday, November 23rd of 2021, Day 23 of National Podcast Post Month. I'm your host, Rich Grimshaw, here to practice the art, the craft, and the sport of podcasting. And here we are, just you and me, another day, another day on the microphone, doing my daily workout to build my podcasting muscles, make my make my podcasting mojo, doing my podcasting push-ups, my podcasting cardio, running around the podcasting track, right? Practicing and training for my ultimate destiny as an A-list podcast host. Someday, I'm going to be a contender. You can find more about this over at dailypodcastpractice.com. Today, oh, happy day, celebrate. It's Fibonacci Day, F-I-B-O-N-A-C-C-I. That's an Italian name, Fibonacci, in honor of the Italian mathematician Leonardo Bonacci, later known as Fibonacci, or the son of Bonacci. He is considered by some to be, quote, the most talented Western mathematician of the Middle Ages, unquote. Well, I don't know that I consider him that, but then I don't know of any others. So who am I to say? In 1202, he wrote a book that introduced the so-called modus indorum, or method of the Indians, today known as the Hindu-Arabic numeral system, as opposed to using the system of Roman numerals. The Hindu-Arabic numeral system has many, many advantages, and he enumerated many of them, and he advocated switching from using Roman numerals to using the Hindu-Arabic system with 10 digits, 0 through 9. You're right, you got to include the 0 because that's really, really important. Uh, there is no, no concept of 0 in Roman numerals, and you have to have positional notation. The book clearly showed the practical uh, use uh, and, the, and the value of using this by applying the numerals to bookkeeping, commercial bookkeeping, so that the merchants could keep their books, right? Uh, converting weights and measures, uh, calculating interest, uh, converting currencies, lo lots of things like that. And of course, that appealed to business people, and that's always a great way to get things adopted if there's a profit motive there. The book was well-received throughout educated Europe and had a profound impact on European thought. So reading from Wikipedia, we can sum this up. Quote, replacing Roman numerals, its ancient Egyptian multiplication method, and using an abacus for calculations was an advance in making business calculations easier and faster, which assisted the growth of banking and accounting in Europe. Pretty powerful stuff. But wait, there's more, because that's not what he's really known for, okay? The thing that bears his name today, and which every engineer on the face of the globe will instantly recognize, is the Fibonacci sequence. His book has the earliest known description of this sequence outside of India. Indian mathematicians had already figured this sequencing thing out about six centuries earlier. So his was not an original, but in the Western world it was. Well, you ask, of course. But Rich, what is the Fibonacci sequence? Thank you for asking. It's simple. It's elegant, really. In the Fibonacci sequence, each number in the sequence, which is just a string of numbers, is the sum of the previous two numbers. 
So we start with zero and one. They're given, and we go from there. So zero is the first in the sequence. One is the second in the sequence. The third in the sequence would be zero plus one, which is equal to one. So the third number in the sequence is one. Then the fourth number in the sequence is one plus one, which is two. And the fifth is then one plus two, which is equal to three. And the next one is two plus three is equal to five. And the next is three plus five is equal to eight. You get the idea. This sequence and the Fibonacci numbers, they appear a lot in mathematics. So much so that there is an entire journal dedicated to their study, the Fibonacci Quarterly. So look that up. And you know, Christmas is coming up. Getting a subscription to the Fibonacci Quarterly is a great Christmas gift-giving idea for the mathematician in your family. Applications of the Fibonacci numbers include computer algorithms, such as the Fibonacci search technique and the Fibonacci heap data structure. <laughs> oh, let's go get us some Fibonacci heap data, what you say. And graphs called Fibonacci cubes used for interconnecting parallel and distributed systems. I don't know what that means, but it sounds way cool. They also appear in biological settings, such as branching in trees, the arrangement of leaves on a stem, the fruit sprouts of a pineapple. <laughs> That's good. And the flowering of an artichoke. But wait, there's more. An uncurling fern and the arrangement of a pine cone's bracts. I didn't know pine cones had bracts. B-R-A-C-T-S. Wow. This is a good thing to know about. You will be the life of the next cocktail party you attend if you can speak knowledgeably about the Fibonacci series and about Signore Fibonacci. So happy Fibonacci Day to you. Okay, that was fun, but let's go to the birthdays now. Born on this day in 1963 in Evanston, Illinois, the American engineer and business person Gwyn Shotwell. Gwyn is the president and chief operating officer of SpaceX, that little company that Elon Musk got started. You, you might know about that. She is responsible for the day-to-day -day operations and managing all customer and strategic relations to support company growth, blah, blah, blah. As of 2020, she is <laughs> she's listed as the 49th most powerful woman in the world by Forbes and is included in Time Magazine's 100 Most Influential People of 2020. Not bad for a mechanical engineer from Northwestern University. And until today, and my exercise of figuring out who was born today, I never heard of her. But happy birthday. Happy birthday, Gwen. Just a heads up, I did not send a birthday card, and I didn't post anything on your Facebook or LinkedIn page. But my birthday wishes are sincere just the same. Let's go to a question, because we kind of bombed out with questions yesterday. Maybe we'll get better today. The next one in the sequence from 350, pretty almost good questions to ask is number 151. What's the most historic thing that has happened in your lifetime? The most historic thing in my lifetime. So that eliminates me being born because that was like right on the cusp. So we can't go there. So it's, it's hard to pick. Well, uh, my sister was born during my lifetime, so that could be a historic thing. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm just saying uh, it could be. Uh, but other notable events that come to mind are kind of technology-oriented uh, as opposed to socioeconomic. And here they are in no particular order, just thoughts that came to me. 
the invention and the adoption of the Internet and the World Wide Web, that's a, a big game changer, huge game changer. Prior to that, the personal computer and by extension the smartphone, that technology really helped fuel the Internet and the World Wide Web, and they kind of go together, but maybe not. Podcasting and the technology that supports podcasting, I think that's important. Is it the most historic? Probably not, but I think it's neat. How about DNA? Discovering DNA and the sequencing of the human genome. That's big stuff. And along with that, there's this technology, this gene editing technology called CRISPR, C-R-I-S-P-R, which is very effective and very cheap and goodness knows where it's going to bring us. Here's another scary thought, the pairing of quantum computing, which by itself is a huge historic development, and then artificial intelligence is another historical development, and you put the two together along with CRISPR, and I don't know where we're headed, but those could be really big things. But I really think at the top of my list, the most historic thing that has happened in my lifetime is the acceleration the uncontrolled acceleration of climate change. That's going to affect a lot of people. Maybe me, I might live long enough to be really affected by climate change. I might not. But for the next generation after me, sorry guys, you're going to be dealing with this for a long time. And will will man, will Homo sapiens be able to figure this out? No, we won't. The only way we react is, is when there's a crisis. So there's going to be a lot of crisis. And then stuff will happen. And until that time, we're just uh, whistling in the breeze. And of all these things I've listed, we're not going to be able to tell which has the greater impact until like many, many, many years from now. And I'll be dead and gone and I won't be able to comment on that. But this, this podcast episode, number 276 in my year of podcasting every day, might just live on somewhere. And who knows, some graduate student somewhere doing research on the early 21st century might stumble across it and find that Rich Grimshaw had predicted the most historic thing that had ever happened during his lifetime. That is all for today. We're going to wrap this one up. I got a box from Chewy.com today, and we're going to put this in that box. And then we're going to stick a fork in it because it's done. I'm Rich Grimshaw, and you are invited to join me again tomorrow. Thanks for listening.